www.radiopodcastnetwork.tv Podcast Network. Did you eat? You want me to make some eggs? <laughs> <laughs> This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 109 for the week of March 14th, 2016. I am disease in a sucretstin, David T. Cole, <laughs> and I'm here with cover wife, Sarah D. Bunting. Get away from me. T- teenage snitch, Tara Ariano. My parents ripped the tag off their mattress. And dead bully, Nick <laughs> Rockwell Jones. I didn't land on Phillips Rock. Phillips Rock landed on me. downhill from that one so good (laughs) yeah and scene (laughs) welcome back to the podcast nick reinwald jones thank you very much always a pleasure nick Nick, of course is the uh host and producer and um star of our sister podcast making the sausage which you should subscribe to now if you haven't already it is yes please do it's all about the uh inner workings of how tv is made and it's fascinating and awesome now i'll be reminding you of that again in about 10 minutes excellent (laughs) (laughs) Um, But first, uh, before we get to that reminder slash plug, uh, we're here to talk about the Americans. Now, we this as we record this, it's premiering in two days. We, of course, were lucky enough to get a screener. So if you are very spoiler sensitive, please feel free to scrub forward. I don't know if you're going to do the spoiler drop. Well, it's for the whole segment, so we don't need to. Okay. Yeah. You are fairly warned. Be ye say we. Look, the spoiler music is just for a spoiler interlude. Okay. When we're talking about the whole segment, mm-hmm. listener be warned. Please also subscribe to our podcast, Spoiler Philosophy. That is not a real thing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get into The Americans, which is Yet. coming. Seriously, which is coming back for its fourth season. Um, we've all seen the premiere. And uh, I have to say, watching it, I'm fascinated by what Carrie Russell talked about recently when she was on Late Night with Seth Meyers, t- is discussing the show, obviously. And describing how her character is sort of has the more masculine energy and uh, the guy who plays her husband, Matthew Reese, uh, Philip, is more recessive. And especially that's true in the season premiere as he's dealing with a lot of old issues that have sort of swum up because of the latest guy that he killed, which like we've seen him kill a whole bunch of guys. Obviously, this one was very different for him. Um, but I'm interested to see how they uh, continue exploring his emotional life this season. Nick, what as our guest, why don't you uh, tell us what you thought? Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I The Americans is a show that really impresses me for how well it's able to handle all of this like tightly packed, like serialized story, mm-hmm. but not like get not get too confusing, not get like you know tied up in itself. I feel like every every season I'm expecting, like knowing how much came before, I'm always expecting to be a little confused when it starts. And I really didn't feel that way at all. It just felt like a very smooth transition and like reminded you of the major storylines that is carrying over and then introduces a couple of new ones. But it's just like, it, it just handles all that density so well. And it just like, I feel like if you were, if you were coming into the the show for the first time on this episode, you could do so and not be totally lost, which is like a really good sign of, of a show that has like that much story to it. And you're a particular fan of trade craft. <laughs> just linger on that word. So everyone hears yeah. me using it correctly. Um, yeah, that one guy 
nodding his head. <laughs> hey, that one guy. We all live in fear of him. <laughs> um, so you've uh, obviously you've you've uh, you directed, wrote and directed a short film about a spy, and you are knowledgeable about the James Bond oeuvre. How do you feel it portrays spying in the pantheon of spy pop culture things? I mean, I think it does it really well. It's just it's like. I'm sure in a lot of cases, if you look at the real history of spying, it's never as interesting as it is in the movies. Mm -hmm. But I think they do a really good job of like keeping it like apparently, as far as I know, accurate to to the time while still being interesting and kind of cool and showing you kind of how they solved these like tech problems in an earlier yeah. era when they didn't have cell phones and all that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. the, there wasn't a lot of it in this particular episode, but I mean, but just in the throughout past, the series, yeah, the it's one, always the done The really one episode well. where they're driving around with their giant transmitter yeah. in the trunk of the car <laughs> um, is a great yeah. example. of. I that. mean, and also frankly, it's more fun to see spying done in an era where there was more reliance on like physical agents, because like if you read about the CIA and stuff nowadays, like they employ relatively very few actual spies they do almost all their spying through satellites and hacking and stuff yeah it's all big so data it's, now. it's much more interesting when there are people involved yeah speaking of people sarah they uh you are not a regular watcher of the show but now that they've introduced dr maplewood into the mix are you more inclined to watch the rest of the season um my notes read and i quote finally someone i don't want to slap <laughs> hi dylan baker um i quit watching this show like after three or four episodes in season one because yeah. Everyone was super off-putting to me, but I actually enjoyed this hour a lot. Um, I'm not the only one who wants Paige to be drowned in a, a boot, right? <laughs> no. I, uh, a boot ski? I, I will be covering this the show, as I have been for the past several seasons, seasons on Previously.TV, and I wrote in my post, which is going up in a couple of days, um, I feel like this is the show, because we, we discover in this hour that... Um, in the season three finale, Paige, we already knew, obviously, Paige had ratted on her parents to her uh, minister, who I call in my post, Pastor Groovy Hair. Um, <laughs> in this episode, she, uh, Dave hearing this for the first time, thanks for reading, Dave. Um, so in this episode, we discover that um, at some point, Elizabeth has bugged his office, and so she's going to be, like, listening for Paige, like, to find out what she's been telling him, presumably. Because we just, so far, all we've heard is, like, him having boring conversations with people we don't know and i put in my post i would not surprise me if elizabeth is the character on tv who decides she has to <laughs> eliminate her own daughter for the sake of the greater cause like i feel like if that were to happen this season it would not shock me in terms of what we've already learned about elizabeth anyone else would that be insane i don't know i don't know if they can come back from that is as dark as this show gets oh who who needs to come back from that i mean <laughs> i did enjoy the hour for other things like first of all when i was a kid um i was not this age at this time in the show i was right. a little older but um my best friend and i would pretend to be spies and our shit was stored in secrets tins Aww. and granted nice our shit was we're talking about like a miniature dreidel, <laughs> one actual sucrete from 1971, like a twine bracelet, and, you know, spies hey. in basically Mayberry, New Jersey. Sure. Obviously, very professional. But um, I apparently we were not the only people who realized that sucrets, sucrets tins, and now Altoids tins are like, I don't know, they're just so, that shape. Yep. It's so perfect for like secret storage. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's great. So I liked that. I like the processy stuff. That was the next question I was going to ask you about is if, if that stuff won you over, like seeing the process of how 
you know, they meet this guy and how much instincts play into it and what the actual procedure is. Like, even this, the exchange of questions when they stop and talk to William, the Dylan Baker guy at the bench. Like, that's the stuff I find so small, but I still, I still find that fun. Like, they're both yeah. so... Uh, and they both seem so, all, all three of them seem so over it, like having to exchange these questions where I'm like, we all know who we are, come on. But they still have to go through the motions. I find that fun. Yeah. And just yeah. they're sort of like seeming annoyed whenever they have to do the like wig and like disguise switch out. Like it's mm-hmm. a pain. There's like a lot of sort of prep and then not debrief, but just like <laughs> yeah. to get in and out of the process is difficult. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I enjoyed it, but... Like, the whole Nina thing, I'm not sure how much I'm supposed that to care about that. And was, that actress yeah. is tough. Yeah. She's tough. I was about to turn the conversation to that for the people that have been watching it. I am so bored by her storyline. All the stuff in the USSR can go to hell. Anyone else? Yeah, well, it's definitely the least interesting storyline they've done with Nina. Yeah. There is a soft-hearted casting director or writer or somewhere in here because this show, for all its uh, pluses... It's uh, the big minuses. It really wants to shoehorn <laughs> characters whose natural usefulness is at an end yes. back into the story. Yes. Nina being the chief, you know, uh, uh, example of that. But also, um, oh, I don't know the character's name, but our friend Susan. Oh, um, Sandra. The, the ex-wife San- of the Stan's FBI ex-wife. agent. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, her role is pretty much at a natural end, but she kind of pops up again and again. And... Um, you know, they could just cut ties with some of these characters, Nina being, of course, number one. Mm-hmm. But I totally agree that that stuff is is dull. Um, they need to figure out how to make that whole storyline more efficient if they're going to mm-hmm. do it. Because not only does it drag on, but it's subtitled. And I enjoy subtitles over, you know, English-speaking Russians and everything. <laughs> But there's a yeah. tolerance, right? I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there's a certain rhythm that you want to keep, and I kind of feel like it drags on with those scenes. But my big concern, guys, oh. is, is this the end of Clark and Martha, Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. America? <laughs> is this the beginning of the Mr. and Mrs. End? Erotic America. Yes. Yes. Um, As our departed I totally th- Joe. I mean, we we all mention- thought he was going to kill her, right, when he was sneaking in there. I did, at least. No. Oh, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to kill her. And I th- and that was that I am always interested in her because she's such a weirdo. Um, right oh, down yeah. to Joe died by the way. That's why he's not here this week. Joe has an ear infection, so that is why he is not joining us today. But um, Martha is like the opposite of Nina, and that I'm like endlessly fascinated yep. to see what her reactions are. And like every, <laughs> I did a whole like sort of fumetti thing in my post about like her acting sketchy around the office because her faces and her side eyes are like so amazingly good slash suspicious. When I was Literally. in high school, I volunteered. <laughs> Stay, stick with me, guys. I volunteered to finish a mural that had been penciled in on the um, science class wall. It was like, you know, a oh, it's a mural story. I stand corrected. <laughs> and I started, I know I wanted a light blue. Uh-huh. All right. Mm-hmm. And I started not by putting the dark paint into the white, by, right. but by putting white paint into the dark. Mm-hmm. And that just meant I got, you know, I had to add more white paint and more white paint to the point where I only needed, you know, a thumb's worth of paint, but I ended up with a whole gallon because I mixed the paint wrong. And I just got under myself. I just got, it got worse and worse and worse. Martha is that paint. (laughs) 
She just can't get out of the situation. She started by mixing that uh, white into that dark blue, and it's never going to end, Martha. You're just going to, your life is going to be this giant, slightly lighter bucket of blue paint. Yeah. And I love the process. But I'm way more interested in the way she is dealing with like how she's ruined her own life basically than Nina or the the scientist guy Baklanov in the USSR like that she has to Martha has to keep deciding over and over again I am going to see this through I can't back out I have to just go forward and if that means putting myself at risk and getting interrogated at my office in the FBI and whatever else like I'm going to put on my weird earrings and I'm going to do it and she does like she's and at the same time she's recommitting to Clark over and over again too which is why I thought it was also interesting that she is the one that he confides in about like what is going on with him and these flashbacks to (laughs) the kid he killed because he's not telling that to anyone else, including his, like, supposedly real wife, which is interesting, like, where he's deciding what intimacies to divulge. I mean, to her and to the Est group, although they don't get the whole story either. Their whole relationship is so weird. It started out so weird. It continues to be weird. It doesn't quite feel real to me, but I love it. You know what I mean? Like, it feels a little artificial. Yeah. Like, people are that dense and dumb, Mm -hmm. and she's so her yeah but, but that damn scene if I where don't she, love it. that scene where she finds out i thought like that struck me as so real and well yeah. done like the stages that she goes through of like trying so hard to reconcile it somehow mm-hmm. and just not being able to yeah but the build in their relationship has been so well done i think over the whole you know three and now into the fourth season of like how he's sort of groomed her and cultivated her and like just given her a little bit at a time to where he now is like fully in control of her really like he can tell her to do anything mm-hmm. she just has to do it like that's what's interesting to me the human consequences of what they're doing and like yeah and even after he was like you don't have to do this eyes. if you don't want to and she still yeah. did it yeah yeah so i'm i was dubious going into this i i'm i'm most interested in the page storyline because it's the most <laughs> potentially explosive and i don't trust that minister one tiny bit <laughs> does anyone have a theory about what his deal is <clears throat> I mean, you keep wondering if he's going to turn out to be connected to something. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've wondered that too. Although that Canadian, would be a uh, like, Canadian spy? way to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've thought this church storyline was weird going all the way back to when she Paige met that girl on the bus like at random, which seemed a little too random, but that was how she got into it too. So yeah, if he turns out to be some kind of other agent, it would not shock me. But on the other hand, with Martha, they keep... <laughs> They keep like escalating what the effects on innocent people are in the yeah. world. I mean, relatively innocent people. So yes. it could just be a case where like that's going to be another example of that, right? Or if he's like the therapist on The Sopranos who has to be like the the voice of reason on the outside, and, like we have to tell authorities this is not okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I can tell you what I can do a little bit less of is the heavy handed stuff like uh, her outside the classroom listening to the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> Doing everything that, except that biting her knuckles, you know? <laughs> like, uh, I, we get it. Yeah. But as a non-American, <laughs> the fact of the Pledge of Allegiance oh, so is also weird. super weird yeah. to me. culty. It Guys, is. it's culty. Sorry it to tell is. you. Yeah. It is. Anyway, um, well, I'm excited for where the season's going to go. I thought this was a really strong premiere um, with lots of interesting stuff in it. Have, and um, Have they go announced ahead. a wrap date? Or are they still open-ended? I think I read that the person, Joel Fields, who produced the show... 
I think that's his name. Yeah. Um, that he said it's a six season. Yeah. Story. Okay, that makes sense. It feels like they're I th- driving that seems towards reasonable a conclusion. To me. That's how many yeah. seasons there were of Justified, right? Maybe that was seven. Yeah. Um, but that that seems right to me. So that he can't well, play eventually you're just going to run out of Iron Curtain, <laughs> right? And then yes. it's going to fall on them. So yeah. Yeah. well, and they can't escalate it too much because we know what happened. Right. <laughs> that's true too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, follow our coverage on previously.tv by me and uh, we'll see how things turn out. Face off is good. <laughs> Face off is bad. There's people going home. There's people going home. There's people going home. There's people staying. Soon there's going to be no more competitors when all of them are gone. They. Today we're talking about owls. <laughs> First you do their heads, then you do their eyes, then you do their beaks, then you do the other parts of a friendship owl. It's a friendship owl we're talking about. A friendship owl, a friendship owl. Face off is ready. <laughs> Hey, everybody. I'm here with our face-off correspondent, Liv. Hi, Liv. Hey. Yay! Thanks for staying and talking with us today, and thanks for doing everything all the way through the years here on Extra Hot Great. Cool. So, face-off, season 10, episode 9. Did you like it? Yep. It was fun. What was the first challenge? So, they had a foundation challenge in this one. The foundation challenge was there was models in wings, and they had to finish the look. Do you remember what those uh, ladies were called? Um, no, called I don't think I'd Valkyries. Valkyries? Valkyries. <laughs> Valkyries. Yeah, they're from uh, Viking myths. So... They had a little help. They brought in a guy who worked on some movies, right? And they gave him some tips. And this guy worked on a movie called Thor. Do you know who Thor is? Nope, because I don't watch those movies yet. No. Well, he is also from Viking Myths, and he was a god that flew around with a big hammer. What do you think about that? That seems cool. I've heard about Thor in from Avengers. Yeah, adv- yeah, he's in the Avengers. Uh, do you know that there's a day of the week that's named after Thor? Can you guess which one? Thursday. Yeah, that's right. And you know what Wednesday is named after? It's named after his dad. His dad is named Woden, and that's where Wednesday comes from. Did I just blow your mind? Woden. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So who won the foundation challenge? Um, Melissa. I think she had a amulet through her forehead and a white oh. forehead and then i think she added a headpiece or something yeah she had her hair all slicked back and half of her face was white it was really cool she looked like a ghost warrior or something i loved it and what did she win immunity for the spotlight challenge yeah so let's talk about that spotlight challenge the spotlight challenge you have to choose a lamp or a pot yeah or even a small bottle some of them even look like tea kettles to me some of them yeah to make genies like from aladdin how you rub the magic lamp and then they pop out through genies with magical powers yep so walter got into a little trouble when he was doing his right and then so at the end of the day he had a little trouble and he had to get a whole bunch of people to help him right 
And that's the good thing about Face Off. I'm allowed to watch Face Off because everyone helps each other, but Mommy won't let me watch this other fashion thingy because they're mean to each other. Yeah, I know what show she's talking about. So if you were... <laughs> Liz looking at her mom right now, giving her the stink eye. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you were on Face Off and you were playing while Walter was playing and he needed help, would you help him? Or would you think that maybe uh, if you don't help him, his creation won't be very good and then he'll get eliminated? What would you do? I would help him, yeah. but first, before helping him, I would realize, hmm, do I have enough time? I would plan out the next day to see if I could help him or do I need to spend more time and ask if someone else can help him. So, oh, that's good. I like that. That's smart thinking. Okay, so who had the best look in the Genie Challenge? Mm. Who's your favorite? I liked Rob's. He had, he painted his model teal and then added special feather pants. The cool, <laughs> the cool thing is that at the end, it straps up at the ankles, almost like a shoelace tied around your shoe. Would you wear and feather that, pants? No. No? Why not? Because I've never actually looked into buying them. I like those <laughs> pants Well, you get, you get your mom to glue some feathers on them. <laughs> I don't think that's All happening. All right. So who Six. had the worst <laughs> looks this week? <laughs> Robert. It was a red hair cat figure when it was supposed to be genies. And then I don't see what was doing with the drinks. He no, had that was weird. a tray of drinks almost because his lamp, it was almost like a potion bottle. Yeah, it was weird. Do you, do you really know what a cat lady is? Do you know when people say she's an old cat lady? You know what that means? No. So, you know, like uh, sometimes uh, people just end up having lots and lots of way too many cats in their house. And they call them cat people. And with a lady, they call them cat ladies. Well, this looks like a cat cat lady to me. She looked like an old crazy cat lady who was actually a cat. An old crazy cat lady. She had so much cats. And for all the pressure, she turned into a cat herself. I agree. So who went home then? Robert went home. Yeah. Robert. And you know what's good about that? We got one less name confusion thing going on no more rob yeah, versus roberts mel melissa rob robert what is that all about yeah i agree <laughs> so uh who had the best look walter actually won it had a reptile effect almost like a rhinoceros horn but threw a mohawk on his head and then dragon scales around was it creepy Did it creepy i don't out? find it that creepy but i don't find it very genie I mean, it was a really cool look, but I don't know how they think it genie. I agree. And for those who are listening, Liv just did the air quotes. Where did you <laughs> learn air quotes? Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I have one last question for you, Liv. If you found a genie's lamp and you rubbed it and a genie came out and granted you three wishes, what would those wishes be? Mm, longer weekends. <laughs> okay, that's good. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> to have a kitty cat. Oh, you want a kitties. cat? Hey, wait a sec. Your parents Don't won't know get why. you. Wait, so but your parents, your parents, have you asked your parents? They say no because they're allergic to fur. And uh. before they had like three cats and they were real. <laughs> and it took a lot of mess. And uh, for, those of the, <laughs> for those of you at home, during the whole cat discussion, 
somebody else who might be Liv's mom was behind her doing air quotes. <laughs> okay. And now they're really allergic to fur. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. And so what's your third wish? Mm, my third wish is a golden palace. A golden palace? How big? A really big golden palace and... In it, there would be a lot of money. Have, have you thought about the tax implications <laughs> of having a golden palace? Uh, if, if it's worth a lot of money, every year you got to pay uh, a portion of the property's worth back to the government. So you got to got you have to have a nest egg in order to have a palace. I'm just warning you. But Liv, <laughs> that's the wrong answer because everybody knows that you use your first two wishes on whatever you want, and then for the third wish, ask your mom what the third wish is for a genie. Wish for more wishes. Wish for more wishes. Yeah, you blew it. You got your golden palace, but you could have had everything else. You could have had two cats. You could have had two cats if you wish for more wishes. Uncleist uncle ever. Yeah, so that's the lesson for today. Be very, very greedy when you find a genie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for talking with me uh, this week, Liv. No problem. And uh, we'll see you next week for... Face Off! Yes, I think cats are less work than anything. Yeah. Because you're like, here's your litter box, here's your food, deal with it, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Is this worse than jazz? All right, everybody. We're here to talk about <laughs> House Ooh. of Cards. Yeah. In the second half of the season, Nev Campbell meets her uh, analytics guru in a jazz club. We are subject to both tortured jazz analogies and tortured jazz. Let's have a listen. <laughs> You're supposed to tell me what people want. People didn't know they wanted jazz until they heard it for the first time. I then they still did like music. I can't compose it. Give me something I can work with. Wait, is that the real music from yeah. the episode? That's so much worse than I, I thought remember. that was just Dave hitting keys. No, that's it. So my question is this. God. Is the jazz scene from House of Court season four somehow... Through transitive and subtransitive properties, worse than jazz. Yes, it's worse than jazz because it's jazz times jazz. It's the shitty music plus the horrible, dumb analogy from the pretentious wankers. All right, second question. Yeah. If I Googled jazz time jazz, (laughs) would there be a jazz group called jazz times jazz? Anyway, I'll let everyone else weigh in as well. I disagree that it is worse than jazz. Uh, It ends in a reasonable amount of time, um, (laughs) unlike most jazz tunes, during which I have long since killed myself before they finally wrap it up, is one thing. Second of all, I think it is a good character beat for this character who would be, like, he needs to have that specific, like, I don't know, OCD jazz asshat, don't (laughs) de-alphabetize my LPs type of thing about him that I think is a good note. Um, I'm... I'm not sure we needed it underlined. Like, isn't there another scene where he's like bugging out? Yeah, with too, headphones like, on, with and no it's also on. like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So like, once one of those was like, 
seven he, enough, but yeah. yeah, I don't think this is worse than jazz. That character is like Henry Rollins if he was like an analytic jazz guy. <laughs> Nick. Uh, well, I don't have a dog in the House of Cards fight because I, I noped out of that shit like three episodes in. But um, y- yes, I I mean, I, I definitely think it's worse than the kind of jazz that has turned you guys against jazz. I like some jazz, like I, li- I like Herbie Hancock and stuff like Boo! that. that actually has a melody. Cut his mic! Get out! <laughs> <laughs> but this kind, yes, is terrible and is worse than itself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad, guys, but I do agree with Sarah that it is uh, <laughs> bad with intent, Yeah, uh, yeah which sense. is uh, a level under just jazz, which, as we all know, is plain bad. It is time to go around the dial. The first stop is Tara Ariano. I have tragic news. Uh-oh. Royal Pains is ending oh, with no. its coming seventh season. I think that was the seventh season. Aww. Whatever oh, season it is. End? No, this, this season that's coming up this summer is going to be it. Um, ah. I... How are you feeling? I'm heartbroken. I really oh. love Royal Pains. It's su- it's not a good show, but it's so uh, it's like the ultimate summer show. It's like the lightest of light procedurals. Everyone's in the Hamptons. They all look fabulous and they're beautiful prints. Everyone's having medical issues, but Hank always knows how to solve them in like the end of the third act, right before your last commercial break. He figures out some kind of crazy workaround. Um, they get it sounds like guest stars. What? It sounds like House, but he's always playing tennis. Um, sure. He's not Plus Kent, but skies. he's like nice House. That's he's what I not, mean. And yeah. it's very short. Yeah. He's very short. And there's like semaphore flags everywhere. And he's not a drug addict, although there was a, a storyline a couple of seasons ago where he was, but oh. now he's not anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like I, every time I would write about it, it, when I would do my season review, I would always call it Summer's Over, guys, because that's how you could tell. <laughs> <laughs> that's still how oh. I feel about it. Guys, Summer's about to be over forever. Um, I'm I'm uh, really going to miss this stupid show in a way that I was not prepared for when I saw the headlines. So um, anyone else who watches Royal Pains, get at me in the comments because it's really just you and me, I'm sure. And for my plug, I want to mention our coverage of Catfish. We talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. I'm still doing posts on it every week. Um, if you bailed on this season after the first two incredibly boring episodes, please, uh, if you've ever liked this show, tune back in last week's episode with leah and justin was fascinatingly terrible and um, <laughs> i've already seen this week's episode for wednesday show just a programming note is a clip show but then there's going to be a new episode on thursday at 9 p.m et this week um so make sure you check in for that and uh you can also follow us at previously tv now on twitter where i do live tweets um during every episode and Sarah and uh, our frequent guest Kim Reed and many other people in the peanut gallery join us uh, and get retweeted and it's a fun time <laughs> laughing at complete idiots. I definitely recognize, recommend this week's episode for sure. The handle is previously TV now. Yes. In case you said. thought she was telling you to follow previously. No, TV that's correct. <laughs> you should follow previously. But you should do that too. Now, but our live event cover handle is at previously TV now. All right, Nick. Okay, uh, I want to talk about Not Safe with Nikki Glaser, which is a new show on Comedy Central. 
Um, this is definitely the kind of show that had it premiered even like five years ago on Comedy Central. I'm sure I would have steered away from because back then it probably would have just been a stupid raunchy comedy riffing on sex topics and it would have been of a piece with like Tosh.0. But now in the era of Broad City and it's like Comedy Central's more female driven shows, it's definitely more of a piece with those shows. And it's really like fairly committed to being a kind of sex ed show for adults. Definitely nothing like Savage Lovecast. You should not use this as your only source of information <laughs> on those topics. But for a late night show on Comedy Central, it's impressive. And uh, most importantly, it's funny. Um, I knew about Nikki Glaser, but I didn't really I hadn't really seen her comedy and stuff before this. And she's a really good host. She is she's very funny with both like off the cuff and taped stuff. If they could ever get her for Weekend Update, I think she'd be great on that. Um, there's So yeah, there's a mix of pre-tape bits and then live bits with her guests. And t- trigger warning to Tara, one of the guests is Chris D'Elia. Um, <laughs> Thank but, you. Appreciate it. <laughs> but he's, uh, in the episode he's on, he's on opposite Esther Pavitsky, who is just amazing. And it's, it's kind of worth watching that just to see how much she outclasses him in the funny department. Um, but the bit that I laughed at loudest by far was one where, um, Nikki and Kyle Kinane go behind the scenes at a porn shoot and they're sitting in front of the monitors and they both have microphones and the performers have earpieces and they get to tell the performers what to say during the scene (laughs) and not to give too much away, but they go on a huge run of blues travelers references at one point. <laughs> and then also there's a regular segment called Tinder Tapout where she creates a fake Tinder profile, waits for a guy to message her, and then keeps saying more and more awful things and t- to see if she can get him to stop talking to her. Um, so it's it's a fun late night show. It definitely fits in that slot very well, no pun intended. Um, huh. I, I would have that. Thank you for the recommendation. I will check it out. Yeah. Um, both because of the subject matter and because it's just the kind of perfect thing to watch when you like want one more funny thing before bed. Um <laughs> And then one one really quick mention, since there's no crazy ex-girlfriend this week, and I'm just as heartbroken as everyone else is about that, this is a great time to go down a little YouTube rabbit hole of Rachel Bloom's videos mm-hmm. that she made prior to making that show. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really great stuff. They're like songs that she wrote with the same people that write the songs on the show, and they're, the videos are, are just great. There's one called You Can Touch My Boobies, and it's about <laughs> the sexual fantasies of a 12-year-old boy who falls asleep in Hebrew school. <laughs> and having once been a 12-year-old boy, I can say that it is stunningly accurate about the huge misconceptions boys have about sex at that age. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'd recommend that. And, um, we'll link and it for in my the show plug, <clears throat> uh, Making the Sausage, my aforementioned podcast about people who make TV. Uh, its fourth episode is dropping tomorrow as you hear this. Uh, and it, this one is all about auditioning and casting. And once again, I was lucky to get some really great guests to talk about that process from both sides. We have actors and a casting rep. And I think it's a really fun and interesting episode. I'm really glad with how it came out. And you can check out all the episodes at previously.tv or better yet, go on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you use, search for Making the Sausage and subscribe. Do all that. Right. That uh, tomorrow's episode has our friend Sarah Baker on it. Hey! Yes, it does. That's awesome. Yeah. Sarah D. Bunting. Uh, Bosch is back on Amazon Prime for a second season. Bosch. Probably the only, Bosch, the only one who cares about this, but, uh, it's a really good cop show. Uh, if you're one of those people, I feel like Titus Welliver has this, like, um, segment of hardcore anti-fans who, who, like, can't even deal with him, but he's really good on the show. The cast is fantastic. Um, they're, like, adding more and more wire people with every passing episode. Uh, Lance Reddick is in it. Nice. Um, Ransone is in it. Um, who else? Oh, uh, Jamie Hector plays uh, Bosch's partner. He still doesn't get enough to do, in my opinion, but he gets more than he did last year. Um, I know it's super tired to have a city be a character and to talk about shows that way, but uh, it really is like visiting L.A. <laughs> in every episode. And since I enjoy L.A. and 
all the sunshine and uh, the unbelievable house that Bosch somehow has on a cop <laughs> salary. Uh, there is some jazz, but it's like old school jazz and he only has it on in the car and it's not like a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I never read the books, but I've really enjoyed the show. It's a really solid procedural uh, lots of people that you like. They do a great job with like the wardrobing and the production design and stuff like that. Jerry Ryan is playing a ball-busting, gold-digging bitch and is doing great and looking great. And it's just a lot of fun. I recommend it. I, you know, but it's one of those shows that's like an egg. Like there's not really much to say about it. Yeah. Like it's just an egg. Like there's, you know, you can't really get a grip on the surface, but yeah, it's a good one. Nick, don't you uh, have a connection to this show also? Yeah, I was actually going to, I was going to ask you, Sarah, do they still have the, like the old doctor character that he goes to, to consult? Because. No, they don't. Yeah, because they, they filmed his, his house that they, the house that they used for his house is like my neighbor's house. Like they were shooting it like, oh. like two doors down from me. And so I was, they, but they weren't shooting there this season. So I wondered if they got rid of him because of that. Yeah, no, he, um, they found bones on his property and then he sort of consulted as a part of that, like his dog found the bones and then it was a right. whole thing in the hills, but yeah, it moved away from that, like to Vegas and oh, um, okay. <laughs> it's sort of like in the first season, the fact that uh, Bosch's ex-wife, who was also an ex-profiler, who now plays poker professionally for a living and has a gigantic house in Vegas and a new husband. And they like go to Hong Kong to work and basically take whales money. That was like just a thing that wasn't really commented on. Now it's more of a plot <laughs> thing. But that's kind of what I like about the show that it's like, oh, sure. Why wouldn't that like, that's perfect. That's what a profiler would do if she weren't profiling. Yeah, that's a smart career choice. Keep doing it. Uh, my plug is for a brand new podcast I am doing with frequent guest and uh, owner of the Mark Blankenship chair, Mark Blankenship. What? Uh, it's called Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Oh, my God. It will surprise you to learn that it's me and Mark talking about songs. We talk about a different song. Uh, every week, I am having to sort of teach myself to edit a podcast, which I'm doing without crying. So maybe I should do a tiny triumph. Oh, you're one up on me then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's mine is so much simpler. It's like insert theme next click. Uh, yeah, we're pretty excited about it. Our first song was uh, Heavy D's. Uh, now that we found love, what are we going to do? Oh, sixth it. grade. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, so we are hoping to drop this week, uh, the week of March 14th, um, barring any technical problems, which I never do, but we're really excited about it. You can email us uh, some song selections at uh, talkaboutsongs at gmail, and then our Twitter account is at talksongs. I can't believe that was still available. Yeah. Uh, so wow. please follow us and hit us back with songs that you'd like to hear us talk about. And we will put them in the queue. You have really kept this one close to the vest. This is the first I've heard about it. And she is my wife. So that's amazing. Yeah. Good job. Hey, yeah. really Beyonce that Surprise! one. Surprise! Thanks for reading the show notes. <laughs> hey, guys, guess what? The 80s are still racist. Oh, no. Fighting Tata with regular toothpaste is like trying to dig a hole to China with a teaspoon. Oh, That's why no. Wisdom Tooth says, use Colgate Tata Control. Colgate's proven 44% better than a regular toothpaste at fighting Tata buildup. 
44%. So, to help beat Tata, get Colgate. To go to China, take a jet. Colgate Tartar Control, the wise choice. Oh, no. All right. That's oh. my brand. Anybody want to guess who that is? Is it Pat Morita? It's Pat Morita oh, as, oh, did you catch what is, who Wisdom he is? Tooth. The Wisdom Tooth. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, dear. Forgiveness, please. There's a Pat Morita who is Japanese, and that thing is about. Yeah, you know, but yeah. they're, you know, China, they're all the same. Yeah. So but, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody, it's time for the canon. Nick's got our submission. Okay, presented for your consideration, Breaking Bad Season 2, Episode 9. It's titled Four Days Out. Uh, this is fairly early on in the series. It's still very much at the point where Walt thinks he's just being pragmatic and trying to do the right thing for his family, and the audience is still kind of on his side. He's still definitely an underdog in the drug game. Um, and it was only a few episodes before this that he and Jesse were terrorized and held hostage by Tuco. So he's still a ways off from going full Heisenberg. But as we're going to see, this is kind of the episode that pushes him to the limit in a lot of ways. And it makes both him and the audience question his true motivations. Um, so we start off with Walt at the oncologist's office. And he's getting his latest CT scan to check on the status of his lung cancer and find out whether the chemo's had any effect. And Walt is not optimistic about his odds, first because he is coughing like a maniac in the bathroom, and then because he catches a glimpse of his scan after he has it and sees what appears to be this big, nasty growth right in the middle of his lung. Uh, but he has to wait until his follow-up appointment with the doctor to actually find out the results. But as far as he's concerned, it's a foregone conclusion. So it's time for him to pay a visit to our friend Saul Goodman to find out how much money he's going to be able to safely leave his family once he passes, because he thinks that's going to be very soon. And unfortunately, the news is not great, as we'll hear in our first clip. Oh, well. Look, let's crunch some numbers. How much money are we laundering? At this time, $16,000. How long have you been doing this? <laughs> We've had some extenuating circumstances. Yeah, apparently. All right, 16000 laundered at 75 cents on the dollar, minus my fee, which is 17% comes to $9,960. Congratulations, you just left your family a secondhand Subaru. <laughs> uh, so Walt decides he needs to cook more, a lot more, and real soon. And uh, he tells Skylar that he's going on a trip to visit his mother in the nursing home. This is a good alibi because Skylar hates his mother, so there's no danger that she'd want to come along or try to contact him. And we're, again, we're still at the point where Skylar has been periodically suspicious of him, but he's always been successful at assuaging her fears up to this point. Um, meanwhile, Jesse is canoodling with Jane, his landlord girlfriend, played by Kristen Ritter, and they're still in their honeymoon period where Jane, who's a recovering addict, is actually having a good influence on him, and he's even willing to go to the George O'Keefe Museum with her, which is pretty hard to imagine anyone else convincing him to do. Um, but then in the middle of their kind of adorable couple time, he gets a call from Walt, as we now hear. We have to cook. What? Today? No, you'll need today at least to gather supplies. Now, we're going to need all new glassware, heating mantles, about 100 pounds of ice. Do you, do you have a paper and pencil? You should be writing this down. Yo, you want to go shopping? Go do it yourself, all right? I got plans. Smoking marijuana, eating Cheetos, and masturbating do not constitute plans in my book. Well, screw you and your book, man, all right? I'm going to a museum in Santa Fe, not like you need to know. You're going to a museum, huh? Yeah. Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia O'Keeffe? She's a painter, duh. She does these vagina pictures, or paintings, or, or just painted. I don't know. What are you even talking about? Look, man, why am I even <laughs> explaining myself to you, all right? I, it's, it's not your damn business what I'm doing. All you need to know is I ain't cooking or shopping or whatever the hell. 
Uh, but Walt finally thinks to tell Jesse that the methylamine is going bad, and that very clever lie is enough to convince Jesse to spring into action. Now the plan starts coming together. Walt gets pretend dropped off at the airport by Skylar. Jesse picks him up there in the van, and they drive off into the middle of nowhere to begin their cooking marathon. And even though the only food Jesse brought is Funyuns and gummy bears, everything seems to go just <laughs> fine. Um, Jesse has clearly learned a lot in the past season and a half. He's a very capable meth sous chef at this point. And after one of the show's famous classic rock field montages, Walt and Jesse total up their projected earnings. All right, that's 40 times 42 minus distribution charges. Hmm. $672,000. All that? No. Each. 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 Six hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars each. Each, yes. And uh, even though they have a ton of product already, Walt just wants to keep going since they they still have time, they still have product. Um, but Jesse convinces them to at least let them take a break, have a Denny's Grand Slam, and get motel rooms for the night. But there is just one hitch in that plan, as we'll hear in this clip. Oh, battery's dead. So this doesn't seem like that big a problem at first since they can use the generator to jumpstart the battery, except the generator literally blows up when they try to use it. And then Jesse puts out the fire by dumping all their remaining drinking water on it. Again, not great, but there's still a little bit of hope because Jesse is able to get enough of a signal to call Skinny Pete and tell him to come pick them up. Of course, if you remember that Skinny Pete is a human being composed entirely... AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as four ninety nine a month with an annual membership, and you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! of meth and cocoa puffs you might already see where this is going or rather where pete is going which is hundreds of miles in the wrong direction and then walt's phone goes dead and now they're pretty much fucked um the next morning jesse finds walt trying to cr hand crank the generator turbine which will hopefully give the car enough battery to restart even though it's going to take a really really long time 
which we see um, first Walt turns it, then Jesse takes a turn, Walt takes a turn, etc. until they're both just beyond exhausted. And even then, guess what? Van still won't start. So now we're at the point where it looks like they are really and truly fucked, which provides Walt with an occasion to reflect on everything he's been doing for the past season and a half. I have it coming. I deserve this. You snap out of it. First off, everything you did, you did for your family. Right? All I ever managed to do was worry and disappoint them and lie. Oh, God. All the lies. I can't even, can't even keep them straight in my head anymore. But uh, Jesse will not accept that they're done for. And uh, to paraphrase one of last year's best quote-unquote comedies, he tells Walt that he needs to science the shit out of this thing. Um, they have all the chemicals and equipment that they brought for the cook, and he says that Walt should cook up some rocket fuel or turn the RV into a dune buggy or build a robot. And clearly he's getting delirious from the lack of food and water at this point, but his rantings actually make, make Walt realize that he can build something that will help them, as we'll hear in this clip. Do you, do you have any money? Change, I mean, coins. Yeah, I got a bunch of them. Okay. Um, yes. You gather them and, and, and washers and nuts and bolts and screws and whatever little pieces of metal we can think of that is galvanized. It has to be galvanized or, or solid zinc. Solid zinc. Okay. And, 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 and bring me, bring me brake pads. The, the, the front wheels should have discs. Take them off and bring them to me. Brake pads. What are we building? You said it yourself. A robot? <laughs> Battery. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Sink. Uh, Walt gets it together and assembles a rudimentary science fair caliber battery. It gets the van started and they're home free. And as Jesse drops Walt back off at the airport, again, we can see how much they've bonded from this experience. Uh, Jesse now knows the real reason that Walt needed to cook so urgently, and he promises him that he'll make sure that Skylar gets his drug money once Walt is gone. And their kind of stilted, forced informal goodbye is such a gut punch, even when you know it's not the last time they'll see each other. If anything, it's even more tragic because of how dysfunctional their relationship gets over the coming seasons. Um, but now it's time for Walt's follow-up appointment with the oncologist. And of course, he thinks he already knows that the news is going to be terrible, but he turns out to be very wrong, as we'll hear in this clip. Now, in Walt's case, with a stage three adenocarcinoma, I like to see, I hope to see, at least a 25 to 35% reduction in tumor mass. Something to tell me that the cancer has responded to the therapy. Everybody still with me? And how... Has my cancer responded? Walt, your tumor has shrunk by 80%. So it turns out that Walt's constant coughing was actually a side effect of the chemo and not a sign that the tumor had grown. So while he's not completely in the clear, it's still, as the doctor says, a good occasion to celebrate. Except Walt does not feel like doing that at all. And the episode ends with him looking at his reflection in a paper towel dispenser and then punching the hell out of it. So I'll get back to that ending in a minute, but first I just want to mention a few of the other reasons why I think this episode is so canon-worthy. Uh, you know, when you're revisiting a show like this that's so plot-heavy and intricate, 
Um, there's always a good chance that it'll be confusing to drop in on a random episode. And I don't know, the rest of your mileage may vary, but I had absolutely no problem getting up to speed and kind of sensing where this fits in with the rest of the series chronology. And I think a lot of that is because um, so many Breaking Bad episodes, but definitely this one in particular, do such a good job of just telling a complete end-to-end story in the span of one episode rather than just picking up a bunch of dangling plot threads and then moving them forward. Um, which is how a lot of other serialized shows work. And that's fine. That works perfectly well for a lot of those shows. I mean, even Game of Thrones does that. But I feel like that self-containedness is a big part of what makes Breaking Bad so compelling and what makes it feel cinematic because you're getting a movie-like experience within the span of an episode. Uh, And within this story, there's a lot of great individual moments. Uh, Walt and Jesse's goodbye is just one of many. Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul both get a lot of opportunities to bolster their Emmy credentials here. And this episode really kind of gives us a microcosm of their whole relationship because we see them fight. We see them bond. We see them celebrate. We see Walt abusive and dismissive of Jesse, but then relying on him. And uh, it's it's just incredible how much is packed into this hour, both emotionally and in terms of story. And, you know, as a writer, I've kind of grown to hate it when people say that you need to raise the stakes in a script because that's what leads to every single goddamn movie being about saving the world. But (laughs) fair play to Breaking Bad. The fact that the stakes are very high and very clear in this episode First, you know, Walt needs to cook enough to provide for his family before he dies. Then as a result of that decision, Walt and Jesse end up needing to escape from a different kind of imminent death. And all of that really contributes significantly to making this a compelling hour of TV. And now finally to get back to that ending, because that is another thing I love about this episode. You know, it's, it's not just that it's a surprising emotional moment that Walt gets great news and ends up being furious about it. It's the fact that it's kind of open to interpretation. Like, is Walt angry because he never would have chosen a life of crime if he knew at the time that the cancer wasn't going to be fatal? Or is he angry because he no longer has a valid excuse to cook meth? Or is it because he was honestly ready to die and he doesn't want to face whatever's coming next? And I think it's a moment that you probably view differently when you've seen the entire rest of the series than you would when you initially saw the episode. But either way, it's probably one of Walt's defining moments, maybe the defining moment of the series, because this is where it morphs from being a show about a guy with a good reason to go criminal and starts being something very different and darker and more complex. So I think this episode definitely deserves to be in the canon for a lot of reasons, but now I will turn it over to the rest of you. Okay, I'll start. Um... This is such a great pick. Every time I watch any episode of the show, it really makes me want to do a full rewatch. It's so good. Yeah, same here. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, it's possible I haven't watched this one since I watched it the first time. But uh, this is a great pick for the canon. I love how this show's writers would always give themselves basically the most difficult task that they could. <laughs> they would write themselves into like an unimaginable corner and then you have to watch how they write themselves out. There's never any easy answers. I mean, obviously when they do it, they have an idea of where things are going to go, but it's, it feels, you know, the stakes are very high. As you said, it feels um, impossible. And, and um, you know, even like these two guys and an RV in the middle of fucking nowhere, um, like nothing could be more tense or or scary or amazing when they actually manage to solve the problem. And I also like that this is a showcase for the Walt and Jesse relationship other than the book ending stuff. It's mostly about the two of them. And, and you really see in this setting and the circumstance what they each need from the other. Like, you know, obviously this mm-hmm. is a relationship that starts pragmatically, but you know, Aaron wants someone, Aaron, Jesse wants someone to give his life structure, you know, like he, he, he is resentful initially that his entire weekend is getting imposed upon this way. But at the same time, like he 
clearly rises to the occasion and likes having a thing to do that makes it seem, even though it's this horrible thing, makes his life meaningful. And um, knowing that this is the last cook maybe for Walt because this is, you know, his family's nest egg forever also seems to give him like a greater purpose and a kind of weird pride in what they're doing. And also Walt likes teaching Jesse. He likes like having that relationship to him as well. And, you know, it's father's son, but it's also teacher student. And I like how that's portrayed. And um, in terms of that ending, I do think it's important that the show had to keep giving Walt outs um, for, you know, way- ways to avoid the life that he ends up choosing. Yeah. And, you know, by the end of the series, we know that he definitely has chosen it. But this isn't the first. There is also the, you know, the, his science friends, the couple whose name I forget, um, <clears throat> offering to pay for his treatment. So there already has been a moment before. This oh, that's true. That happens. was before this, wasn't it? I forgot about that. I think it's in season one. But yeah, it, they where they offer to pay it. And, and so then, you know, already he's chosen this once and now he's whatever happens after this, he's choosing it again. And so the show kept giving you these these sort of breadcrumbs out of it. Like, you know, Walt isn't a hero. He's, he's, you know, he's doing things for very sketchy reasons. You can accept his own self-description of what his motivations are, but they are not necessarily valid to anyone but himself. Um, similar to, you know, well, whatever. I, I won't get into it, but that, but uh, I, I do think this is a very, good choice and definitely one of the many important turning points of the series. So thank you for letting us watch again, Sarah. Uh, I took almost no notes during this, which either means that um, as in the case of some known act submissions, I've killed myself or it's just a really good captivating hour of TV. This was the latter. Almost every note I took was like trying to render like in writing on, on the page, the delivery of these lines just like the disgust and impatience with which Brian Cranston can uh, infuse Walt's responses to Jesse, like looking at what he packed to eat. And he's like, how are you even alive? Like, he's a little mad, but he's also like marveling at the fact that he eats nothing but processed food. And uh, that moment when he's like taking Jesse through the construction of the like Flintstone battery and Jesse goes, Oh, why are like totally nailed the answer? And Chris is just like, fuck off. It's really great. But that goes to like another interesting thing about watching this episode now, knowing what we know in the interim, that those scenes, but also in the beginning when Walt is in the waiting room with the whole family and Marie is like just nervous and blathering on about how technicians actually know much more than doctors and you'd be surprised me <laughs> and he's sort of like he Cranston does just such a wonderful job of conveying this like he knows he should be grateful that she's there but he just resents having to pretend that he doesn't think she's a fucking idiot <laughs> and so much of Walt's arc was like slowly trending towards like becoming what he always was, which was a like lethal know-it-all, like yeah. a lethally right. felonious mm-hmm. know-it-all. Yeah. And to see those glimmers now and to see that he's never able to just give one to Jesse in a conversation like that is really interesting to me. Um, and I can't, 
not mention Michael Slovis and the way that he shoots the scenes in the desert to really give you that feeling of like the panic setting in and then the elation when you think you've solved the problem and then the like panic and the despair and just nothing but sky and literal tumbleweeds around you. And there are some really beautiful shot compositions, but even sometimes just inside the camper, that feeling that it's only the two of them and they're completely screwed and it'll be like, who knows where Pete even is like, is he even in New Mexico anymore? (laughs) And yeah, it's just a really effective episode. That's also like, it's got everything. It's funny. It's sad. It's frustrating. It sort of, um, like casts forward to the end of the series and to what's coming. Um, it's nice to see Jane alive because that's where I think that's where you're supposed to start losing Walt. Yeah. But there was still so much show left. So yeah, great, great pick, great presentation. Really loved watching this and really had to resist not just finishing off the whole. <laughs> season instead of doing other things they needed to do. Yeah, Dave. The other thing, sorry, before Dave t- takes over, I just wanted to say when it, when the episode starts and we see um, Skylar, that I said out loud, "Oh my God, she's still pregnant!" Like you forget how much yeah. she's pregnant story. for so long, and then the doctor finally says what we've all been thinking, yeah. which is like, "Are you, you going to have, have that, that thing?" thing? <laughs> well, because she's like, like yeah, the show like yeah. the show took like longer than real time almost, like at, for at certain sure. points, yeah. Yeah, anyway, it's just just notable that you forget how much story happens in like a relatively small span of time in the world of the show. Okay, go ahead, Dave. Okay, so I really enjoyed this as a bottle episode. I thought it was really well done. It can be a really tricky endeavor to pull off a bottle episode. You know, the uh, TV landscape has lots of bodies all over the place for people who have tried and failed to do a successful <laughs> bottle episode. Um, even this show, I think like this is a better episode than like the fly episode or something like that. I am not a fan of that one, by the way. The fly? I, I a lot of people like it, but oh man, that one just did not do it for me. I thought it was merely fine, like a little too in love with itself. Anyway, yeah, I agree. And this one, you know, it's well paced. You get a sense of the the growing dread and desperation and exhaustion of everybody as the uh, as as the cook goes on. Props to Aaron Paul. I think you know. Uh, lives in Brian Krasen's shadow on this show. You know, I mean, he's got his due, but, um, you know, he's always the second mentioned, not the first. And he does a really good performance, you know, just because he's a stoner doesn't mean he just didn't nail this character. And uh, to think oh, yeah. that the character originally was going to be just tossed out in season one is amazing when you look at the whole run now. Um, so not much to add, but uh, except uh, I really like this episode. So let's just put it to the boat. Tara? Oh, yay. Sarah? Yes. Yep. Breaking Bad Season 2, Episode 9, Four Days Out. You are hereby inducted into the Extra Hot Great Canon. Americans love a winner. Yup. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and a loser of the week. Tara has our winner. Well, my original winner was me because one of our minis last week was um, uh, someone asked us who, sh- what director we would like to see work in TV who hasn't really. Uh, and I picked Nicole Holofcener. And then it was announced uh, that she is doing a show with Amy Ryan, which is currently being shopped Woo! around to prestige channels and to streaming services. So... Hooray for me for being psychic. But our real winner of the week just came out today as we record this. 
Ian McShane, who was uh, did an interview about his upcoming role in the new season of Game of Thrones and was asked about spoilers, and he doesn't really care because in his view... <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Uh, Game of Thrones is... It's only tits and dragons. And subwinner is you, fine listeners, because you can now go to glarkware.com and purchase your own It's Only Tits and Dragons t-shirt. And you should. Way to get on top of that one, Dave. <laughs> it's extremely important, and um, the world needs to know. Uh, yep. So check that out. God bless that man. Indeed. Yes. And loser of the week. Former star of Deadwood, which was only tits and wagons. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Here I'll wake. Um, my loser is not actually a loser, but when Tara's winner was herself, I also picked this as herself because of parallel structure. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's an other unauthorized Friends musical parody theater <laughs> thing happening in Chicago, which I like watched maybe three Friends episodes in my entire life, all of them at Tara's home. Uh, and even I would go to this because there's a little video. We'll link it in the show notes. There's a little video um, of their table read and they're all cracking themselves up and the songs sound pretty good. So would cool. see. I would I would see that, too. If it comes to uh, to the Blaisdell Center in Honolulu, I will get a, <laughs> uh, a island rate on uh, good old Hawaiian Airlines. Uh, you know, talking about Hawaiian Airlines brings up a very interesting question. Does it? Which is this. Do you know what time it is? Non-regulation game time? Yep. Yay! <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. All right, everybody. This was going to be the fifth game time of the season. Joe is sitting pretty on top. With three points, Tara with one, and Sarah, value guest, still looking to get on the board. But <gasps> as we all know, Joe died or something. So today it's non. Joe's fine. Stop telling people Joe died. He's fine. I have no proof that he is alive. <laughs> he is neither fine nor dead. We love you, Joe. <laughs> it's, uh, That's true. He's Schrodinger's host. Yeah. Jodinger's cat. Yeah, Jodinger's <laughs> All right, so today is non-regulation, but that doesn't mean there is nothing at stake. Today's winner will take home a full day's worth of steel meals. What? And a runner-up will get a single serving steel meal. That's three steel meals for the winner. Oh, my God. One for our second place, and our third place person goes home (laughs) empty-handed. Third place is, you're fired. To remind you, a steel meal allows you to buzz in. After somebody else's somebody else gives an incorrect answer, mm-hmm. and you could attempt to steal uh, those points. Yes, uh, steel meals are vacuum sealed at the factory, so they have no <laughs> expiration date. All right, if I get the steel meal, does another valued guest get to steal my steel meal? Oh, they, they, oh yeah, they would belong to the collective. Yes, yeah, damn not- socialists. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> Uh, thanks to uh, Andrew uh, Rabin. Uh, this week sees the return of. All right, for his trouble, Andrew earns an extra credit, redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of his choosing. Joe is so mad listening to this right now that he missed hot potato. (laughs) We have nine rounds plus a tiebreaker round if we need it. Okay. We all know how to play hot potato, so let's get right into it and see what the order is going to be. We will start with valued guests. All right, guest, Tara, Sarah, are we ready to play? Hot potato, 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 hot potato
potato, hot potato. Yes. Round sure. one. Live action scripted TV series starring the cast of Full House after Full House. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right. All right. Nick, hot potato. Wait, wait, so, wait say, say the, the, the category again. I'm sorry. Live action scripted TV series starring okay. the cast of Full House after Full House. Okay. Um... <laughs> You're out. Oh boy. Um Fuller House. Oh man. I don't even know VIPs. Yeah, that was quick. And Tara gets one point. Here's some other ones. Summerland. Nine oh two one oh Summerland. ER Grandfather. Oh, How I shit. Met Your Mother. Oh Grandfather. God. Hudson Sorry, Street Lori Case of Emergency. Jake in progress. Make it or break it. Necessary Roughness, Raising Dad, So Little Time, Summerland, Surviving Suburbia, Thieves, Two of a Kind, and When the Heart Calls. <laughs> and since I watched every single one of those, because I got Round two. Currently airing TV series nominated for Best Comedy Drama Emmys during their run. Okay. All right. Who are They're we on TV, with? and they've already been nominated for a Best Comedy or Drama Emmy. Okay. All right. And uh, let's see. So Tara won that one, so we're to Sarah. Okay. Um, Homeland. Me? Yep. yep. Uh, Game of Thrones. Veep. House of Cards? Girls. Um. Oh no, I had one. I lost one. Orchards of New Black. Ah. Uh, uh, scandal. Oh, good. I thought it had. Be wrong. Huh. Um. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Grey's Anatomy. Uh, 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 Ray Donovan. Mm. <laughs> All right, Tara. What a way to go. House of Lies. No, but you already got the point. Oh, okay. All right. So here's the ones you missed, guys. Better Call Saul. Oh yeah. Family uh, Guy. <laughs> family Guy. Louie. Modern Family. Oh, those fuckers. Uh, <laughs> Silicon Valley. Yep. Big Bang Theory. Oh. The Good Wife and Transparent. Round three. It's a big list, guys. Okay. You guess organized. Four actors in opening credits of Shondaland shows. <laughs> oh, boy. Actors and actresses, both both sexes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, so we're back to Sarah. Um, uh, oh my god, my, my brain just completely emptied <laughs> of people. <laughs> no, it's wow. Um, Tony Goldwyn, Carrie Washington, Darby Stanchfield. <laughs> sure. Oh, what is that guy's name? Uh, uh, Viola Davis. 
Helen Pompeo. Um, Liza Weil. I'm sorry, what was that? Liza Weil, W-E-I-L. A wheel. Jessica Stroop. Oh, she was Patrick Dempsey. Credits. Katie Lowe's. Uh, Kyler Lay. I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, Kyler, C H Y L E R L E I G H. Kyler. Um. Shandra Wilson. Shanda? Shandra, C H A N D R A. Trust me, it's there. <laughs> Catherine Heigl. Oh, shit. Oh. Um, James Pickens Jr. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Henry. Joe Morton. Uh, Matt McGorry. <laughs> so woke. Uh, uh, um, uh, no, I'm out. <laughs> well, there was plenty. I won't go through all of them, but let's see what private practice recognizes. I can remember Alex's Bellamy Young. Private practice, God. Bellamy oh, yeah. Young. Bellamy Young, of course. Benjamin Bratt. Sure. Who else does Dave recognize? <laughs> There's a guy named Columbus Short. Oh, yeah. Fired in disgrace. Oh. Uh, Guillermo Diaz. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah Washington. Yep. Uh, I couldn't remember also his first name. Also fired in disgrace. Yeah. T.R. Knight. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tim Daly. Yeah. Tay Diggs. Sure. T.R. Knight. Yep. Scott Foley. Kate Walsh. Sandra O. Oh. Yeah. yeah, Kate Walsh. That was what I couldn't think of. Yeah. Uh, Portia de Rossi. Mm-hmm. Peter Krause. Yeah. Lots yeah. more. Oh, Kevin McKidd. Oh, yeah. Kevin oh. McKidd. Journeyman. Guys, Tara's taking it. Got to step up your game for round four. Shows James Burrow has directed five or more episodes oh, of. Oh, boy. Ooh, okay. <laughs> We're back to Sarah. Yep. Oh, my God. Uh, Cheers. Friends. Will and Grace. Frazier. Hmm. No, it's Sarah's turn. Oh. Nick said Frazier, but it wasn't his turn. It's your turn. <laughs> um, I will not make a meal of that steal. Uh, Golden Girls? That was a bad call. <laughs> Very honest of Wouldn't you, have though. helped anyway. Yeah. Frasier. Um, Big Bang Theory? Mm. Yeah! All right, Nick, just for... Uh, Good job, Nick. Yeah, you got another one? Just to uh, stick it? Um... <laughs> All right, everybody. You still got the point. Did All he right. direct the comeback? Back to you. Okay. Busting loose. Caroline in the city. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was trying to Fired think of thirty shows, but yeah. Fired up. Gary unmarried. Gary unmarried. Laverne and Shirley. Oh, Men behaving badly. <laughs> oh, LD. Mike and Molly. <laughs> News yeah. radio. Sure. Partners News. in both '95 and 2012. Mm-hmm. Phyllis. Romantically Challenged, Taxi, Bob Newhart Show, 
the class, and the Miller. Good Lord. Wow. This is round five. Tara has three points. Nick has one. Your category is American Idol runner-ups. Oh, no. (laughs) Count me out of this one. Okay. So we're uh, from uh, Nick to... Me. Tara. So runner-up meanings people that were second. Second place. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Clay Aiken. Um, This is to Sarah. Oh, yeah. Sarah's next. Right? Yep. Okay. Yep. My my one. Yeah, back it Justin up. Justin Guarini. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Woo. Good one. Um Jordan Sparks. She won. Mm. Uh Catherine McPhee. Oh. Oh dear. Uh actually I'm not sure he finished second, but let's try it. Adam Lambert? Oh, wow. Diana DeGarmo? That guy with the (laughs) hair? Uh, Oh, boy. I can picture his face. Looks like a friend of mine. I think his name is Chris. I also covered last season. I don't remember who was left. I don't know. I'm out. Okay. Once is there a David with a Latin last name? Yep. That was the one I was David trying to pull. Archuleta. Thank Archuleta. You. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have Bo Bo Bice. Bo Bice. <laughs> He's a Barry Bud binger. Uh, <laughs> Blake Lewis. Crystal okay. Bower Socks. Oh, oh right. yeah. Lauren uh, Alan Alania. Lauren Elena, I think. Elena. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jessica Sanchez. <laughs> sure. Cree hey. Harrison. From Marvel Comics Universe comes to invade Earth to win an American Idol, but only gets second place. Goes back to Thanos, reports, and that's the next Avengers movie. Jenna Irene and Clark Beckham. Wow, I never would have gotten any of those other ones except Archuleta, which I did not even remember. All right, so. We are on to round six. Full-time U.S. network nightly news anchors since 2000. Okay. Starting so with that Sarah. was Tara's point. Yep. So to Sarah. Lester Holt. <laughs> Brian Williams. Fired in disgrace. <laughs> um, okay. Peter Jennings. Uh, Charles Gibson. Katie Couric. Shit. That real old guy whose name I don't remember. Uh, I'm out. I think Tarment. I hope Tarment. Bob Schieffer. (laughs) I'm glad I could let you have that. Uh, Have a smiley. I'm sorry? Have a smiley. No, he's not. Incorrect. Tar- uh, Sarah gets the point. Sarah! Bob Woodruff. Right. Uh, somebody say Charles Gibson. Yes. Yes. Uh, Dan Rather. Oh, right. David Muir. Diane Sawyer. Elizabeth Vargas. Yep. Uh, Scott Pelly. Right. And Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw. 
Round seven, starting with Nick. Yep. Directed at least one episode of Mad Men. Mm. Oh, I can hang in on this one. John Slattery. John Hamm. <laughs> Shit. Uh, 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 I don't know. Elizabeth Moss, why not? Bill Abraham. Bill Abraham. Matthew Weiner? Um. Michael Slovis? No. Is that your answer? Yeah, that's my answer. Tara, just for cap it off. Um, did Leslie link a gladder direct one? Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. You are correct. Uh, here's some ones you did not mention. Alan Taylor, Andrew Bernstein, Arbet Schrodinger. Schroeder. That's the one I was trying to think about. Oh, no. This happened. <laughs> it's a very different show. Yeah. Is Tommy Schlamy on this list? Chris Manley. Okay. Davey, Daisy Vaughn Schurler Meyer. Party, gr- party Girl fame. Bianchi, which is a guy from Rome. I recognize his mm-hmm. name. Jared Harris. Sure. Jennifer oh. Getzinger. Uh-huh. Uh, Lynn Sheldon, Matt Shakeman, Michael Uppenhall, Uppendahl, Paul Feig. Huh. Oh, yeah, that. Paul Feig. He directed the Scott the, Hornbacher and Tim Hunter. Huh. Those are your <sighs> at least one episode. How of did Tommy Schlamy never direct an episode of that? Because they wouldn't let him near it. <laughs> he just like saying Tommy Schlamy. I've lost track of the score, so let's get a quick score. Okay. Uh, it's over. Are tied with one each. I have five. Still, lots of game left, guys. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Round eight <laughs> of nine. <laughs> Amazon original series to air beyond a pilot. So this okay. one goes to Sarah. I know one that she watches. Bosh. Transparent. Uh, the man in the high castle. Mozart in the jungle. <laughs> Improbably. Yeah, why? Uh, betas. Alpha house. Um. Yeah, we're into the weeds now. Yeah. <laughs> weeds! I would say, <laughs> say you've about halfway through the list, and I don't recognize any of the other ones. I, I don't know. Hand of God. Um, the New York oh, presents. Oh, of course. Did, did you specify it had to be scripted? Uh, did that just start? The The New Yorker presents. It's on now, I think. Okay, it's not on the list. Okay, um, but I'll take your word for it. It does not say. Is it an original series? Yeah, I think so. Did the New Yorker make it? Yes. Okay, but it's an Amazon original. <laughs> yes, Mark did a Mark did a New York right. fa- a new show fact sheet. I'm it. okay with it if Nick is okay. Right. Yeah, sure. Back to Nick. Um, you give a mouse a cookie? It's, a, it's, a, it's an Amazon kids show. <laughs> uh, there are kids shows on here. That's not one of them. Uh, uh, Wish and Poof. I'm going to assume that's a kids show. Uh, Mortimer Gibson's Life on Normal Street. Uh, Tum- yeah. Tumble Leaf. Creative Galaxy. Androids. And like the girl's name. Mad Dogs. 
which I think just started Red Oaks, and you got the rest. We are here at round nine. Our topic is appeared in at least a dozen episodes of The Facts of Life. <laughs> Nick. Uh, are we starting with Sarah? Uh, sorry, yeah, Sarah. My apologies. Nick, take a seat. Sarah, you're on deck. Kim Fields. Mm. George Clooney? No, he's out of the classroom. <laughs> Um, Lisa Welchel. Mindy Cohn. Damn out. (laughs) Nancy McKeon. Charlotte Ray. Uh, Mackenzie Aston. Molly Ringwald. (laughs) Um, Cloris Leachman. Um... Other people? I may be wrong here, and since the game is over, I'm going to give this hint with the proviso that I may be misremembering this, but I think it's right. We've got a Deadwood alum in this yeah. list. Mm-hmm. Timothy off of this pants? <laughs> we wish. <laughs> Incorrect. Jerry Jewell. <laughs> Jerry Jewell, yeah. Jerry Jewell. All right, Tari, no oh, anymore? Oh, God, right. Did we say Charlotte Ray? Yep. Did we say Kim Fields? Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's the rest are Sherry Austin, no Pamela Adon, sure. uh, other people whose names I don't recognize. All right, so let's get that final score, please. <laughs> okay, uh, Nick and Sarah have one point each, and I guess that's the end? I don't know. Maybe I missed one. Thank anyway, I have, I have like, me with six and them with two each. All right. One each, I mean. So we got time, so I say let's do our enormous... Round 10 tiebreaker. All right. Yeah. Wait, so I have Tara with seven and me and Nick with one each. So we need to do the tiebreaker anyway to determine who. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Who's fired, I- right? Okay. The category for our shits and giggles tiebreaker is has at least one episode in the canon. Oh, boy. And a TV series that has at least one episode in the canon? Yeah. Okay. Canon only, not known out. That's right. Okay. All right, Sarah. Sopranos. Buffy. 30 Rock. Uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> 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 yep. He's shuffling papers. <laughs> Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, six feet under. Simpsons. South Park. Friends. Um. Hmm. Felicity. Alias. Um, Futurama? Beverly Hills, 90210? Yeah! <laughs> Game of Thrones. Melrose Place. Mad Men? Mad Men? <laughs> <laughs> Gilmore Girls. 
Clone high. Uh, shit. Ah. So many shows. I know, so many shows. (laughs) Wow. Um, I'm trying to think back to what guests have brought us. And now my mind is emptied of things. Um, Firefly? (laughs) Episode. Um, Walking Dead? Hmm. Cheers. Battlestar Galactica. I think you guys voted in when I did Veep, right? Is that is that Veep? Your? Yes, Veep. Did we say the comeback yet? No. Um. Deadwood? News Radio? Mary Tyler Moore Show? Uh, Broad City? <laughs> no Broad City in the canon. Oh. No. Playing House? Oh, no. This can't be right. I'm thinking of something else. Shit. Lots of shows. Like running down the entire HBO <laughs> roster now. Like, what did we miss? Yeah. Do we do Better Call Saul? I don't think we did. No. Is that your answer? That's my answer. We did Better Off Ted. Oh, yeah. Uh, Here are some highlights from what you missed. Fargo is one that we just did recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Development. oh, yeah. We did Best Friends Forever, talking about playing house. Oh, yeah. Uh, Black Mirror, which was mine. Right. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cosby Show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Downton Abbey. The good one. Downton Abbey. Drunk History. Yeah. Ellen. That was Trip Pains, I believe. Yep. Uh, enlisted, Fargo, Flight of the Concords, Freaks and Geeks, Friday Night Lights, Frisky Dingo, Get a Life, Golden Girls, Good Wife, Happy Endings, Homicide, How I Met Your Mother, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Oh, Law and Order. God! Oh, <laughs> Show, Lois and Clark, oh, not too long ago. Uh, Look Around You, that was also mine. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, Magna P.I., guess who oh. that was? It was mine. <laughs> Mr. Show, Muppet Show, My So-Called Life, Sarah. Northern Exposure, oh, both offices. Oh, so many. Review, Roseanne. How can we forget about Roseanne? Parks and Rec is in there, too, I Parks think. Parks and Rec, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. I'm not reading them all. Right. Sorry. A uh, couple flavors of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, the Twilight Zone, Twin Peaks, Veronica Mars. The Muppet Shit. Show. Shit. Oh, I brought show, Veronica I said. Mars. West Wing <laughs> in a couple times. The Wire and uh, The X-Files. All right. Oh, boy. The so Wire. that means... <laughs> Our final standings are Tara with the victory with three steel meals and Sarah second place for one steel meal. Congratulations, Tara. 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 Woo. All right, Congrats, everybody. Tara. That is Glad it for over. another 
episode of Extra Hot Great. We pledged allegiance to the fourth season of the spy thriller, The Americans. Liv let the genie out of the bottle on the latest face-off, and we went into a deep, dark jazz hole when asking if the jazz in House of Cards was somehow worse than jazz. We went around the dial with stops at... Um, Royal Pains. And other ones. Nick did the math on the formula for successful canon submission with Breaking Bad's four days out. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Tara was the winner of this week's game time. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole. And on behalf of Tara Ariano. Screw you, Philip. Sarah D. Bunting. You brought a meth lab to the airport. <laughs> and Nick Ridewell-Jones. How are you alive? Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. <laughs> oh, tastes like bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> This has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network.